You are tuned in to a special 4th of July edition of Locked On Royals on the Locked On Network. And the boys in blue were smacked today in Minnesota. In fact, for the eighth time this season against the Twins. And Zach Greinke was roughed up. Do we believe this is it for Zach? We'll tell you about it in the first segment. And Taylor Clark has really taken a tailspin over the last couple of weeks. What can the Royals do with him? And let's look ahead to the Major League Baseball draft. Is prospect Kyle Teal the guy for Kansas City? All that coming up next on Locked on Royals. You are Locked on Royals, your daily Kansas City Royals podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. You are tuned in to another edition of Locked On Royals on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jack Johnson. Give me a follow on Twitter at JohnnyJ underscore 15. Again, that is at J-O-H-N-Y-J underscore 15. We want to thank you for making Locked On Royals your first listen every day. You can follow us on all kinds of platforming networks with the podcast. That can be Spotify. That can be Apple Podcasts. That can be Amazon Music. Or you can catch us on YouTube. Just be sure to follow along or subscribe and check out all of our videos. We're now on episode six, I believe it is, of Locked On Royals. And we keep it locked in Monday through Friday. You will never miss any sort of action in regards to covering the Kansas City Royals. And I thought it'd be perfect to open up today's show with a proposition to you Royals fans. And in fact, I put it out there on Twitter. And if you go follow me on Twitter... You can check out this Twitter poll that I put out. And to put it simply here, it was what should the Royals do with Zach Greinke moving forward? He was roughed up again against the Minnesota Twins, gave up six runs in five and a third innings of work. His ERA is well over 5-3 at this point. The velocity, of course, is no longer there, but velocity over the last three to four years hasn't really been a big problem for Zach Greinke. He's been able to pull a rabbit out of his hat He's been able to work through it because he's Zach Greinke. Zach Greinke is an anomaly. He is a treasure in baseball. And I think a lot of us, not just Royals fans, baseball fans in general, don't want to start thinking about life after baseball without Zach Greinke. He's been around forever. Hell, as long as I've been a Royals fan, I've grown up with Zach Greinke. I knew Zach Greinke. Coming up with Kansas City in the early 2000s, I remember the Cy Young year. I remember his years with the Angels and the Brewers and the Dodgers and the Astros. I remember all those years. And then I remember him coming back and the feeling that we all had with Zach Greinke returning to Kansas City. But it's time to ask the question, is this it? Has Father Time actually gotten to Zach Greinke? You can't really blame it on, on the situation. I don't really want to say Zach Granke's not a good pitcher anymore because the Royals are 25 and 61. It's not that. Because we've seen this before with pitchers in baseball. Father time is undefeated. You can only pitch so well for so long. And if this is it, this is really the first bad year that Zach Granke's had since his second year in the big leagues. He has barely had any years where his ERA was over four. He's pretty much hovered under four, under two. 
He's won a Cy Young. He's been dominant. Been a multiple-time All-Star. He's been a marvel to the game of baseball. And I don't think many of us are ready to see him go. And that's totally fine. That, that's how we all feel about this situation. But I think we started to think about it a lot when Zach Greinke addressed the media after his loss against Tampa Bay a couple weeks back. He said that he doesn't feel like the stuff's there anymore. He doesn't feel like he's gnashed anymore. And what stood out to me was him saying that, I don't feel like I'm in control anymore. I don't control the at-bats. I don't dominate guys anymore. Now, I know I'm adding on a little bit to what he said, but we can all make our own assumptions as to what he truly meant by that. But I have a pretty good gauge as to what Zach Grinke meant when he was speaking to the media after that loss to Tampa Bay. He knows that his time is running down in Major League Baseball. He knows that everybody goes through this period. You can't dominate from age 20 to 45. It's not possible. Eventually, these hitters are going to tell you when you're done. And I, I think we've always done that with any player, any great, any Hall of Famer, any Cy Young winner, any big-time pitcher at the major league level. We ask ourselves, are, are they going to walk away from baseball on their own terms, or are they going to be forced out? Are the hitters going to tell them they're done? I think I have my answer with Zach Greinke. I think the hitters are finally telling him this stuff is not good enough anymore to get us out. You may have a decent outing where you can give us a quality start. You can give the Royals a quality start. But it's few and far between. It's not a scenario at this point where Zach Granke is going to suddenly find it and go on a roll over the next month or so. Now, back to the poll that I put out to all of you listeners, all you followers, the large majority of you basically said it doesn't really matter. This team's 35 games under 500. Some of you said, no, he deserves to start the rest of the year because he's a legend. He shouldn't be you know, forced to sit on the bench with a rotation that, that is this bad. He shouldn't be forced to the bullpen. He shouldn't be DFA'd because Zach Greinke is a Royals Hall of Famer. You don't treat Royals Hall of Famers like that. At the same time, you know, you can part ways with somebody that's struggling and doesn't have it anymore and still go out on good terms. Now, Wade Davis and Greg Holland return to Kansas City. They're still fan favorites. They're still beloved by this city. But the Royals made the tough choice and went, he doesn't have it anymore. And Zach Greinke wasn't around for the World Series years, which I think that entire team, in fact, both those teams, hold a special place in Royals fans' hearts, of course, they're always going to. You love every single one of those players. But Zach Greinke is a unique person that fit into all of this. The Royals don't get a World Series if it's not for Zach Greinke. The Royals don't fill the stands in 2009 if it's not for Zach Greinke. They don't fill the stands in 2010. They don't fill the stands many of those years in the mid-2000s without Zach Greinke. And that's why it hurts to really bring up this idea of, is it really it? It's tough to really come to terms with that because a lot of us are not ready to see baseball without Zach Greinke. I'm just not. I'm not yet, but I'm also getting to that point where I'm fully aware it's a possibility. I am fully aware that the Royals could look at him in the second half and go, it's not there anymore. 
At the same time, I could look at them and go, they're far, far, far off contention. They're 36 games below 500. Just give them the starts. He's better than Brad Keller. He's better than Ryan Yarbrough. Just give him the starts. People like watching Zach Greinke pitch, even if he's getting lit up like this. It's more so the road numbers for me than the home numbers. I mean, Zach Greinke wasn't great against Cleveland in that series finale last week during the week. When six innings, gave up two runs, but 11 hits. It's not really pretty. It hasn't been that pretty for Zach since returning to Kansas City. But we all knew that Zach Greinke was coming back to Kansas City at a point in his time where he just wanted to ride off into the sunset. Last year, he was fine. ERA was under 3.8, but he only threw 135-ish innings. That's not enough for your number one, number two. This year, he's not going to come even close to that, and his ERA is likely going to be over five. It stings to come to terms with that, but that's where we are with Zach Greinke. I don't think the Royals are going to make a roster move. That, that's the beauty of this, at least if you're on that side of things. I don't think the Royals are going to DFA him. I don't think they're going to outright release him. They're going to give him those starts. Do I imagine a phantom IL stint is coming here in the coming weeks? Maybe it's just an all-star break reset. It's possible, right? Maybe when you get Angel Serpa back after the break, maybe you want to give Brad Keller a couple of starts. Maybe Ryan Yarbrough again falls into that conversation. Maybe Jonathan Heasley looked great today, pumping 97-98. You give those guys a couple of starts. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. But they're not going to DFA Zach Greinke. They're not going to release Zach Greinke. Because Zach Greinke also had offers from other teams when he was a free agent. And he picked Kansas City because of how Dayton Moore treated him. He wanted to come back to Kansas City because of that fact. And maybe the Royals owe it to him that he gets to finish his career pitching in a big league stadium than having to scramble to find work, to find to find a place to grab onto, to be claimed off waivers. I don't think the Royals are going to treat him like that. If the Royals had a young budding prospect that was primed to eventually throw 200-plus innings, have 200-plus strikeouts, a true number one, then yeah, Zach Greinke's got to be bumped out of that spot. But you tell me who they can replace him with. I don't think there's anybody. Therefore, maybe the final chapter of Zach Granke's career has a few more sentences. Maybe there's still some good memories in there. But I'm watching the game today. It was 4th of July. I'm sitting poolside, but I'm watching the Royals. Got a cold beverage in my hand. Got a hot dog, and I'm watching Zach Granke pitch, and it got out of hand in a hurry. He's just not in control anymore. And it's already clear from you, the followers, and you, the listeners, it doesn't matter what you do. Cut him. Keep him in the rotation, doesn't matter. The team's bad. But if you're really wondering what the Royals are going to do, man, I would tell you, I would be absolutely floored if a DFA is in the future, if an outright release in the future. Zach Grinke's going to finish this season in Kansas City. How many IL stints he has or true IL stints, that remains to be seen. Maybe something is wrong with him right now. He left the game today with some shoulder tightness or shoulder discomfort, but Matt Cretreau said it was mild. Not sure there's much to worry about there. And you have the all-star break coming up. Maybe a fresh start is what he needs. But let's all take a collective deep breath here and understand the fact that this is likely the last all-star break for Zach Greinke. These are the last months of Zach Greinke's career. I'm sure he's fine with that because he's accomplished everything he possibly can from a big league arm. At least almost everything. 
But Granky's a decorated guy. He's an interesting guy. He's a soft-spoken guy. But accolades, numbers, stats, dude goes above and beyond. And he's a national treasure. He's a national treasure of the game of baseball. And I don't think many of us want to watch baseball without him in it. That time's coming. Just like any great, any Hall of Famer, any living legend, you don't want to see him retire. But I think that's where we're headed here in a couple of months. Enjoy these last couple outings. Maybe that's too short. Last couple months of outings for Zach Granke because this is likely it for the guy that's about to reach age 40, 41, and 42. There's not much left in the tank, and we've seen that on display in 2023. Now, speaking of DFAing, speaking of outright releasing somebody, let's dive into a bullpen arm that I can't wrap my mind around, and it's Taylor Clark. He has been another kind of bad for the last seven or eight outings. What should the Royals do with him? All of that is coming up next on Locked On Royals. You are tuned into Locked On Royals on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jack Johnson. Be sure to give me a follow on Twitter at JohnnyJ underscore 15. That's at J-O-H-N-Y-J underscore 15. And before we get into some topic of Taylor Clark and what the Royals can do with them, Let's give a shout out to today's presenting sponsor in FanDuel Sportsbook. Take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount and bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's 200 you can spend betting everything from the money line to the over-under to who you think is going to have the first home run. All on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win you can get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, the official partner of Major League Baseball. I'm watching the game last night, and I can't really fathom why Taylor Clark's in another high leverage spot. Like I said before the break, can't wrap my mind around it. Why is Taylor Clark still out there? I understand you just traded a role this Chapman, but it, it it feels at this point like Taylor Clark is being thrown into these spots in hopes that he just fixes himself. And he said he said last night in some postgame comments that the wheels just fell off. But that's not just one outing. That's not just two outings. The wheels have completely fallen off, roll into a curb, been punctured, been jabbed, whatever you want to say, thrown away, thrown in the woods, stolen. The wheels aren't coming back. Let's just put it as simply as we can. The wheels are not being put back on that car. That is the 2023 season for Taylor Clark. The stuff isn't there. The stuff was there. And it also goes to show you that in baseball, Relievers have such a short lifespan. It's a lot of ups and downs. There's a lot of great outings where you look unhittable, and there's nights you can't even get a damn guy out. There's nights you can't even find the zone, and there's nights you could have your eyes closed and hit the bottom left corner, the top left, top right, bottom right, wherever you want to locate it. Your ball is just moving exactly where you want it to go. 
I can't remember the last time Taylor Clark had an outing like that. I mean, it has been shockingly bad. Back on June 17th, when the Royals walked off the LA Angels to snap that long losing streak, everybody remembers the Samad Taylor walk-off game. Taylor Clark's ERA was 2.9. By all accounts, that's a trade chip. To me, that's a trade chip. That's a number that's going to pop. No, the strikeout numbers are not. The secondary pitch isn't very good. The fastball is not very firm. It's got some velocity. 94 to 96. That's firm. We'll put it at that. But nowadays, everybody's pumping 98, 99, 100. Until you do that, my eyes aren't popping. My eyebrows aren't raised. But Taylor Clark had a 2.90 ERA. And I thought to myself, this is a decent trade chip. You're not going to get a top 30 guy, but throw in a lottery guy. Throw in a 17-year-old pitcher from the Dominican Summer League. Throw in a failed fourth-round guy that's 23 and in high A, but you like his stuff. You like his advanced metrics. Get that for Taylor Clark. And I thought in the moment, he's pitching really well right now. I believe he had, damn, it might have been a 17-inning scoreless streak, it felt like. That feels too high to me. I can't remember the exact number. It was a long double-digit streak of scoreless innings. Uh, Taylor Clark was on one. But then the wheels fell off. And he went from a 2.90 ERA to 6.06 in 16 days. 16 days is all it took for Taylor Clark to go from decent trade chip not getting you much, but something to you can't even force somebody to take this guy. And I do like Taylor Clark. I liked him early on in the year. Thought for what you signed him for, which was a minor league deal, I believe. If not a one-year cheap rental, it was last year. Taylor Clark is a guy that you've gotten a decent amount of innings out of. And he kind of moved himself into a back-end guy on a bad baseball team, but a back-end guy. This is also a, a big reason as to why you trade guys when they're hot. I'm under the belief that GMs, when they see a guy, they like his stuff. They don't really care about rough outings. We discussed this on yesterday's podcast. You like the stuff. You like the guy. You're not going to be driven away by a bad outing. But this... This is not a bad outing. This is a bad week, two, three weeks. This has been a rough stretch for Taylor Clark. And bad enough that it's not, well, they still like his value. I don't know how you look at him now and think to yourself, that's a guy for a high leverage spot. I don't know how you give up a prospect for a guy with an ERA north of six. And ERA is not everything, right? Amir Garrett has an ERA under three, but his whip's insanely high. And Amir Garrett's got great power stuff. I believe he's the next world to be traded. He's got great enthusiasm, great passion, great clubhouse guy. But you can't always look at the ERA. What's the whip? What's the strikeout numbers? The walk rate, the K to base on balls percentage, the ratio there. How many hits do they give up per nine? How many home runs per nine? Movement on their pitches, stuff plus. You can find all that on Fangrass, right? You look at those numbers and you go, 
oh, maybe the ERA is high, but I like what I have here. I like what we can do with this guy. I'm not sure what you can like about Taylor Clark and the stuff he possesses. And I think one of the biggest problems with his arsenal, with his pitch repertoire, if you will, is the fastball sits about 94 to 96, and the slider and changeup are like 89 to 90. There's not a big velocity change. And anybody that's watched baseball understands that if you're a hitter and you're sitting on 94 to 96 and the off-speed's not much far behind that, you can square that up. You can time that up perfectly. Why do you think it's nearly impossible to hit a U Darvish curveball or a Shohei Otani curveball? Because in their primes, they're pumping 98, 99, 100. You, you can't adjust to that. It's too quick up at the plate. Taylor Clark's stuff doesn't really pop to me. And now the numbers don't pop to me. Originally, the numbers popped to me, which made me think he was a trade candidate. Now, he's just a guy in the bullpen. He's a guy in the bullpen you clearly can't trust in high leverage spots anymore. But like I said with the Zach Granke thing, when you're 35 games under 500, 36 games under 500, does it really matter? Does it really matter if you throw out Taylor Clark in a game and he blows the lead? I would like to say yes, because I still want this team to go out there and try to win every single game. But I also understand if you out there listening going, why are we even dedicating a segment to Taylor Clark? I'm mad at him, but what's the solution? What's the fix? I'll tell you this. There are some guys right now in Omaha I would give Taylor Clark's spot to. One of the guys that pops to me, it's Will Klein. Will Klein is a kid that's still incredibly young. I say incredibly young, 23 years old. 99 to 101 with his fastball. High walk rate, big strikeout numbers. I think in his career in the minor leagues, he's striking out north of 13 or 14 guys per nine. Walk numbers have always been an issue. But like I said, stuff. Fastball, power secondary pitch. That's what I want in the bullpen. John McMillan, an undrafted free agent from Texas Tech. He's got power stuff. I'd like to see him take Will Klein's spot in Omaha, then eventually down the road, take somebody's spot in the bullpen. Carlos Hernandez was not a guy anybody believed was going to be a big bullpen piece for this team. The stuff wasn't good last year. Now we see he's got great stuff. He has some of the best stuff in all of Major League Baseball. Minimum amount of innings, of course, because he's a bullpen guy, but I'd put him in the top 20. He was up there with the oldest Chapman in pure stuff. You load up with guys that have pure stuff, you can work with that. You can't really work with Taylor Clark's numbers. You just can't anymore. And last night, that just kind of blended together with a, a long list of bad outings. So what do you do with Taylor Clark? What's the next move? I don't think the bullpen has enough depth just yet to DFA him. But if this streak continues, there are guys in AAA that can take that spot. As for trade candidate, I don't know how you can package Taylor Clark in any deal. Some other guys in the pen? Yeah, sure. Taylor Clark, I, I don't know if you can at this point. Maybe if you want to sweeten up the deal with just an extra arm to have, that's one thing. But to me, I can't really say there is. But there are guys coming. I do believe there are guys coming that can bolster this bullpen in the second half. Will there be some growing pains? Of course. Would you rather see growing pains or outings like last night from Taylor Clark? I'll let you answer that in the comments, whether you're watching on YouTube, listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Amazon Music, where you can always catch our episodes of Locked On Royals. Before we go, 
We're going to take a quick break and come back with some draft talk. I told you this yesterday, every single day leading up to the Major League Baseball draft, we're going to give you one guy that we like. And if the Royals take this guy with their first round pick in the Major League Baseball draft on Sunday, that is a home run type of pick. That's coming up next on Locked On Royals. You are tuned in to Locked On Royals on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jack Johnson. Follow me on Twitter at JohnnyJ underscore 15. That's at J-O-H-N-Y-J underscore 1-5. This Major League Baseball draft, I don't want to be cliche and say it's vitally important because they're all important when you're rebuilding. You have to have talent that's going to be there in about two years if you go the college route. And with this guy in Kyle Teal, a catcher out of Virginia, that's a guy I think that can progress rather quickly through the minor leagues. Now, I don't want to get carried away in college numbers because the college bats, the aluminum bats, the competition level, it always can skew some numbers. Last year, Gavin Cross, great numbers. Absolutely phenomenal. Asa Lacey, great numbers at A&M, even though it was the COVID year and it was a little bit obscure. But in his career, great numbers. Brady Singer, Jackson Core, Daniel Lynch, Chris Bubish, Jonathan Heasley, good numbers. Some guys, not always, but you try to look for the stuff there. But Kyle Teal, I am going to be a little bit biased and lean into those numbers. His triple slash at Virginia this year, at age 21, is 407, 475 with a slug of 655 and OPS of 1.13. He's got 13 bombs, 69 RBIs and great defensively behind the plate, also has 25 doubles at the plate. I don't think Kyle Teal is going to be available for Kansas City when they select. But man, if he is, I don't care who else is up there on the board. This is number one for me. This is 1A. Kyle Teal, to me, is the home run pick. And there are guys I would be fine with. And if you follow these guys on Twitter, I want to give a quick plug here. Preston Farr is a great follow on Twitter. Royals Farm Report, another one that's just a phenomenal Twitter follow. All these guys are just great at minor league coverage. And you can follow them on Twitter, at Royals Farm Report and at Royals Miners for Preston Farr. But they do great work at doing a deep dive. And there are guys that I agree with them on that it makes sense for the Royals to go that route. But Kyle Teal's kind of that... You you throw that out the window. You throw that out the window if he's available. If Kyle Teal falls to your spot and you pass on him, you better take one B or one C. That's in my group, at least, for me to give a positive reaction to it. You go with a high school prep pitcher, that kid's going to have to really wow me. And there are kids in the top 15 that I feel like can really be long term big leaguers, future all stars. But Kyle Teal to me, is a safe pick with high upside. That's the difference here. I don't want the Royals taking a college bat or arm because it's safe. I want to take a college bat because the upside's really there. And you draft the best pure hitter. When you're at this spot, you're not worrying about the best college pitcher and his stuff. The only guy I really believe, or the two guys I believe that are going to really pop at the big league level, it's the easy picks here. Paul Skeens, Rhett Louder. The other ones, I don't have a firm grasp as to if they're going to be big league all-stars. But when you're drafting at this spot, I am absolutely hammering the point of you draft the best pure hitter. You can work with pitching down the road. 
Right now, I think you need to start loading up your system again with some top pure hitters. Kyle Teal is absolutely that. I mean, in college, the numbers were gaudy alone. He had 177 games at Virginia, three years with the Hoos, and he had a triple slash of 343, 433, a 547 slug, OPS of 979, 28 bombs, 155 RBIs, 13 bags, 48 doubles, four triples. Those are just the baseball reference numbers. There's a lot more advanced data, a lot, a lot more advanced metrics that you could look at and go, man, those are great numbers for a college bat. And I know the aluminum bat can scare you away. And I know maybe being a catcher, it scares you away and you go, well, Salvador Perez, MJ Melendez, what's the deal there? There's not much depth in the minor leagues, the catching position. And you also can move guys around. And also, let's address the elephant in the room. Salvador Perez is going to be catching three years from now. He should probably be DHing at that point if he's still even on the roster. I know that hurts to say, but let's be real here. you got to draft the best pure hitter available. You draft the hitter, then worry about the defense a little bit later. I think Kyle Teal is a fast riser. He, to me, is 1A. If he's there, you throw out your reports. You trash your ideas. That sounds very intense. That sounds very severe. But to me, he's that type of guy. I love Kyle Teal. Doubt he's going to be available. But if he is, you've already heard my opinions on it. We'll have our 1B option in tomorrow's show. And do not forget to tune into Lockdown Royals on Apple Podcasts. Spotify, Amazon Music, and YouTube, because we are going to have a loaded show. This pitching staff is starting to turn things around. Is Jonathan Heasley now a bullpen fit, or am I falling for just one good outing? And Alec Marsh, is he a guy that can stick in the big league level? Can he stick in this rotation? What can we expect in his next outing? We'll have all of that coming up on tomorrow's episode of Locked on Royals. But that will conclude today's episode. Be sure to check us out on all those podcasting platforms and on YouTube. And always be sure to give me a follow on Twitter. Shoot me any questions you have, any topics you want me to discuss, because right here on Lockdown Royals, I want to make it about the listeners and the followers. You want to hear about something? I'm going to give you an answer. So just tweet at me, at J underscore 15. That's at J-O-H-N-Y-J underscore 1-5. But until next time, you take it easy, Kansas City.